Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church around the world celebrates the beginning of Advent, and Advent is a season in which we prepare for the arrival of our Savior. So we prepare and are waiting to welcome Jesus as our Savior. Now, an essential part of this preparation process of Advent is penance, recognizing that there are things in our life that are preventing us from fully welcoming our Savior completely into our life. So Advent, just like Lent, has a penitential characteristic about it. Now, when you stop and think, if we're waiting to welcome our Savior, then we realize there is something in our life we need to be saved from. If we think everything in our life is okay, we may have a few small problems, yet they're ones in which we don't need any help. I can work them out on my own. Well, if that's truly the case, we're in no need of a Savior. Now, turn to that iconic song of Advent, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Notice the verse, And ransom captive Israel. During Advent, we realize we are held captive by our own sin. What's the worst thing that can happen to us is to be in denial. I don't have any problems. I'm okay. You're okay. I have it all under control. Well, if that truly is our attitude, we're dead wrong. Worse yet, we're just kidding ourselves. We have to understand that sometimes we are under the control of sin. Now, some time ago, I read an article that compared the 12-step recovery program with Christianity and how similar both are to each other. The 12-step recovery program, the only way in which a person can first get help is if they hit bottom or they bottom out. Now, it comes in different forms depending upon their addiction. For someone who has a gambling addiction, it could be bankruptcy in which they bottom out. Or maybe someone has an eating disorder. Therefore, they have to be hospitalized because their organs are malfunctioning. Well, whatever it is, whatever the addiction is, it's a cold and sober shock of reality. And the addiction has rendered the person completely powerless. Now, once they hit rock bottom or they bottom out, they realize the hard reality they have a problem. Worse yet, they're unable to resolve it themselves. They're unable to deal with it on their own. They need the help from God. Now stay with that and apply it to this season of Advent. During this season, we become aware of our sin. We are held captive by it. We can't overcome it, nor can we save ourselves from it. See, now we are convinced that we need help from God. And so what do we do during Advent? We turn ourselves over to God. And in doing so, we are grateful and joyful to celebrate the arrival of Christ in our life. Now, with that in mind, turn to the first reading. 
What I want to do is concentrate on this reading from the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah gives us a wonderful picture of our human condition in this first reading. In fact, this reading is appropriate. It really sets the tone for the next four weeks of our Advent season. Now, in order for us to truly fathom and appreciate this reading, we have to understand the context in which it is set in. The prophet Isaiah is writing as the Israelite people are in the midst of the Babylonian exile. Essentially, the Babylonians, which is a neighboring country, has raised up a powerful army. They've invaded Israel and they've destroyed and crushed the Israeli army. They went and they sacked the capital city of Jerusalem. They looted and destroyed the temple, which was God's dwelling place. Now, all these things contributed to the Israelites' identity as a nation and as God's people. And now they're lying. They're all lying in ruins. Worse yet, the people, the Israelites, have been carried off to live as slaves in a foreign country. And so it raises some serious questions. How could God allow this to happen? The Israelites were God's chosen people. Israel was God's holy nation. Yet now, the country is in ruins. Her people are in some foreign country living as slaves. Now, with that in mind, go back into the first reading. Now it begins to make sense what Isaiah is saying. As we begin the first reading, essentially we hear Isaiah praying to God, and he's praying with remorse, sadness, because it was the Israelite people and their infidelity to God that led to this situation, and he knows it. He says at the very beginning, Why do you let us wander, O Lord, from your ways? Well, what is vital in the spiritual life? That we always walk the path that leads to Jesus Christ. When we do that, then we experience good spiritual health. When do we struggle in the spiritual life? When we get off that beaten path. Then we get lost. Then we struggle. Now stay with that notion of being lost. Many of us at some point in time in our life, have been lost. Whether we are a young child or even an adult, you know, we make the wrong turn or we go down a street in a town we don't know, we're lost. Or we get off the interstate and we're lost. Or as a child, we're in a large mall and we lose the sight of mom and dad and we're lost. Well, we know it's not a good feeling. In fact, we can say it's deeply sickening. We become very frightened Panic sets in, our heart begins to race, our mouth goes dry. Now apply that to the spiritual life. Sin leads us off the beaten path, away from God. Now we're lost and we're frightened. And yet here's the good news. Jesus, our Savior, he enters into our life to guide us back to the right path. How does our Savior, Jesus Christ, describe himself? in all four of the Gospels. Well, one way is, he says, I am the good shepherd, and I call my sheep. They hear my voice, and they come to me. Or, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, he gets us back on that right path. You know, it's kind of like getting directions from someone when we're lost. You know, They say, okay, make that right turn, and then you're on the road to get out of the town. 
or take a left up there and then you're on the interstate. When we get those directions, we get a sense of relief, even joy, because we know we are headed in the right direction. Well, that's what Jesus does for us when he enters into our life. Now, Isaiah continues. He says, We have hardened our hearts, so we fear you not, O Lord. Well, we know the heart is the central and the most vital organ in our bodies. It's critical in sustaining life. See, that's where God should exist, such that Jesus is the center of our life. And yet, Isaiah describes the Israelites. He says their hearts are hardened due to sin, making it difficult for God to be the center of their lives. Again, here is the great news for each and every one of us. Our God is not satisfied with just coming into this world and accomplishing his mission. No, Instead, he wants to take up residence at the center of our life. Jesus doesn't want to be on the periphery of our life, competing with a myriad of activities and priorities for our time and attention. Jesus wants to be the source and center of our life. And see, when he is, then all the other activities or priorities that we have in our life, they fall into harmony with Christ. Finally, in the end, Isaiah says, how long, O Lord? Well, that's a statement of anger, but also frustration. Essentially, what he's saying is, why don't you come, Lord, and save us? We're desperate. I think many of us, you know, at some point in time in our life, have said those similar words. Many of us, at some point in time in our life, have felt those feelings, especially now during this pandemic. We are in our seventh or eighth month. Many of us are experiencing great challenges, not just physically and health-wise, but also economically and emotionally. We cry out that same prayer that Isaiah is crying out. So how does Isaiah deal with this sense of desperation, with faith and hope in God? Notice at the very end, he says, Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hands. What is Isaiah really saying here? I don't know when God will rescue us, and I don't know how God will rescue us. But with faith and hope, I do know that he will rescue us, and we will persevere. Well, we have to have that same faith as Isaiah. And as long as we have that faith, we know that we can continue to maintain a sense of hope that God will rescue us from the challenges that we face in our country and around the world regarding this pandemic and all that it has brought with it. One last thing to think about. Isaiah says, we are the clay and you are the potter. Well, clay is a simple material, right? It's shaped and molded into the image that the potter wants. Is it easy? No. Pottery is very time-consuming. It's very hands-on, literally. The potter is constantly putting his hands on that clay, shaping it and molding it. Well, that's a great image for all of us for the rest of this Advent season. Allow God to lay his hands upon you. What's the key? Surrender. Allow God to mold you during this Advent season. Surrender to God at Mass, at prayer, at confession. Surrender to God. 
and we will no longer be wandering. Instead, we will walk the path that always leads to Jesus Christ, now and always. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.